Check my inbox and what do I see? Just another day, another T-R-A-D-E I'm an addict And I need it in my veins, I'm an addict Otherwise I feel plain now Every day I wake up, people got a problem Making all these trades up, got me saying I got em, But I've been paid up, I even started from the bottom See I don't wait up, I ain't even playing possum So what it cost them, just a couple of firsts Can't believe that it worked, not to say I'm a jerk But I'm an addict, it's what I said in the first You can curse all you want, you can pray in your church But I'ma keep tapping return, I win up I learn I ain't trying to burn any bridges I yearn for the feeling I earn I'm a witness to turn the other cheek before I drop you like the beat I'm an addict and I'm not really ashamed I'm an addict I'm a climber with the brain I'm an addict and the pot is what I'm playing I'm an addict Russell Rocky Other names Trade X5 Let's go Hey everybody, welcome to episode 301 of the Trade Addicts Podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network, if you will, and we will, of course. So, uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, Russ, Russ is taking a little break. He, you guys are kind of stuck with me for the next few weeks as the main host here. I apologize. But uh, I've got some cool people coming on that are going to help me out. So, hopefully, that makes the show a lot better. One of them being uh, my guest host tonight, Scott Zidless. Scott, happy to have you back. You were here a few weeks ago. How you doing? Yes, sir. Back so soon. It feels like the old days. So, um, you know, as I told you and Russ, happy to jump in wherever needed always love to be here feels like home um and you know always great too when we have awesome guests so then i don't have to talk as much and then we seem really smart yes and we have a lot of awesome guests coming up uh while russ is out including tonight uh our, our favorite guest i think the guy's probably been on the show the most of anybody uh we have zachary here tonight zach how you feeling and why don't you tell everyone who you are what you do and where they can find what you do I'm doing well, Rocky. I feel like guest is a little bit of a stretch. Like I, I it's kind of like old home. Like you know, I'm I'm like the the second cousin who flies in early for Christmas. You, you know, and and then stays. You're like too an honorary long. host at this point. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so and you know, they, I I don't do I don't do anything. I don't. Rec- I actually, I record with with Russ and Peter occasionally live on on Wednesdays with the with dynasty grind over on peter howard's feed but uh that's that's pretty much it at tacit assassin 13 on twitter okay um and we'll get right into the news of course frank you know everyone who listens knows frank uh always provides us with the news me and russ at this point just basically copy paste it into the show sheet he he literally sends notes with the news we love frank (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just gonna uh mainly the 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 big uh three things we have on here are are the coaching hires that have happened since last week and then we'll maybe get into some of the oc hires too uh but Jim Harbaugh, and I, I, of course I'm going to read Frank's notes that he gave me as well. So Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. Uh, Chargers still have a ton of cap issues. They're $45 million over. So weapons for Herbert are to be determined. Worth mentioning that Greg Roman was his OC in San Fran and is still available. I'm not sure I love that. Uh, but uh, Dave Canales hired as Bucks head coach. Uh, this could have a couple of effects. First being the Panthers should hopefully have a good offensive system for Bryce Young. 
they can get him help. But the other is that this was the guy who fired Baker. I'm fired Baker, fixed Baker. So do the Bucks resign Baker now that his OC is gone? And then he also, obviously, Raheem Morris to the Falcons. Hiring Zach Robinson as their OC, which that one is maybe the most interesting to me. But which which one of these uh, which one of these coaching hires do you guys want to touch on first? Zach, for, for me, like I'm with you. Like I think Zach Robinson is the most interesting hire out of all the. I'm disappointed that that he ended up in Atlanta. I mean, I know Raheem Morris is the head coach, but like that was as a Patriots fan, the Pats interviewed Zach Robinson, and I'm like. I am all in anytime you can get a either a McVeigh or a Shanahan, like one of those, the new kind of spread it out. Let's let's figure out if we can get a light front and run against it or a heavy front and pass against it. Kind of those innovative offensive minds. I'm excited. And in Atlanta, where you've already got pieces that everybody who plays fantasy football has just been bemoaning Arthur Smith for the last couple of years, like there is a really good core. Now we need a quarterback. we got to figure that out, but there's a really good core of offensive players who can score some serious fantasy points in that type of offense. Yeah. That's the thing to me is, yeah, is Zach Robinson, like you said, coming from the McVay tree, uh, we've seen McVay produce a lot of good uh, uh, fantasy production over the years. Uh, Cup, Puka, I mean, so they seem to, to, to feed, uh, one, they can, at least he's been able to support one or two wide receiver. I'm sorry, two wide receivers, uh, most years back in the day with Cup and Woods, they just, like you said, they need a quarterback. I mean, they're not going to support anybody if Desmond Ritter's thrown in the ball again, <laughs> but it seems like, uh, that we may have actually finally, um, have been freed from the, uh, the evil empire of Arthur Smith and getting the exact opposite here. Uh, there's been a lot of good running back production in Bay's offense, too. We saw it with Kyron Williams last year. Um, we saw it with Gurley in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm super excited for the Zach Robinson hire. Um, Scott, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, uh, while I'm a big Michigan fan, I have been since I was nine years old. I haven't missed a snap of Michigan football um, since, like, 1993. So uh, pretty much Harbaugh, not only did he play for Michigan, he played for the Bears as well. So uh, been a big Harbaugh guy over the years and follow him closely. I did a deep dive on, I don't know if you'll be able to see that there, but you can see all my color coding, lots of colors (laughs) and crazy stuff. And so that is the four years that he was in San Francisco and looking at his personnel and, uh, you know, ratios and uh, play calls and personnel groupings and um, all those different things and kind of breaking that down and then kind of adjusting for where we are today. I mean, I know Frank mentioned uh, that Greg Roman is still out there, but what what Jim did at Michigan after the COVID year was get rid of all those um, old school coaches and he brought in all kind of the new coaches you know, younger, uh, more up-to-date kind of thing, even though they kind of went back to the run in a way, but they also still, like, really updated a lot of things. And he knows what, you know, he knows what it's about. And if you look at the quarterbacks he's had, he's never had a Justin Herbert. So, you know, if you think he's just going to come in and run the ball, I'm not saying they're going to be top 10 in 
pass attempts or anything like that. But I think it's going to be a pretty balanced approach. And, you know, I, I really don't see uh, Greg Roman um, <laughs> ending up there in, in any form or fashion. I don't know, maybe like a senior assistant or something like that. But I, I, don't, I really don't see him running the offense. So, um, you know, he, he really wanted to go there because of Herbert. And that was a big draw for him. And, you know, the ownership giving him a lot of uh, control and say and personnel and all those things. So I think he's got a plan. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He he did what he needed to do at Michigan. And, uh, you know, now he's 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 on a mission. I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously, tough division, but um, I'll be working on these projections here and I'll see what see what we can come up with. But uh, he's going to be the guy that whatever running back they draft (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's I'm going to probably be drafting them too. <laughs> All right. Right. Uh, and then the other one is, uh, is Canales uh, as the buck uh, uh, hired as the Bucks head coach. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So what Panthers. do you guys think of the Canales hire? Sorry. Yeah. Panthers. I'm, I mixed it up. They had it written I, down wrong here. Unless he can play offensive line. Like they still got a lot of work to do because, like to me, that's where that entire team starts, and and I I don't think that uh, that Bryce Young is as bad as he played this year, but I also think he was scrambling for his life. He made some bad decisions, you know, under pressure, and and he, like this is not to make excuses for for Young. He was terrible, but it's awfully difficult to kind of do everything as a first-year quarterback. So, yeah, Canales being there, maybe. I mean, I'm not even sure that Baker actually got fixed. Like, he was fine, but they it was it was more that he threw a ton. He, hasn't, he didn't do much differently this year than he has any year in his career. I mean, he was still, you know, 63 64% completion, he did. He did have twenty eight touchdowns. So, like, there was that. But like, again, it was more the volume increase for Baker than it was Baker being uh, anything amazing. At least from my perspective. Yeah, that's. I was going to ask that if you thought Canales would help Young or not. Uh, like, uh, again, like you've got to. The thing that's going to help Young is putting players there to to protect him. And then putting players on the outside that he can get the ball to. Right now, they don't have any of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with. I, I don't know a ton about Canales other than yeah, that that, uh, like you said, Baker was similar in a lot of ways. He had more volume, but he, I mean, he definitely was a better fantasy asset than he had yeah. been in, in previous years. Uh, so, just I, again, I, don't, I do you know much about Canales, Scott? Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit. I've started to do some research on, you know, what his influences are and what system he's likely to run and all that. He, and they did bring in some some coaches today. I think they announced um, like Harold Goodwin um, is the assistant head coach and run game coordinator. He's a guy who's been around uh, for a long time, a lot of experience. And that's what I want to see from some of these young coaches is, is bring in those experienced guys around you. And, you know, then hopefully that also helps give us a little bit of insight into what they might be doing, um, you know, scheme and personnel wise. So this one could be a little bit of a a question mark to see what they ultimately end up doing, especially because their personnel is so different than, you know, what he just came from in Tampa Bay. So um, 
yeah, it could be interesting. We'll have to do a deep dive on it and see see what comes up there. But I think we're starting to get some of the pieces put together. I I, I certainly don't see it as a bad thing. You know, I mean, uh, it, it gives me maybe a little bit of hope for Bryce Young. Um, you know, I'm not writing him off. It's not like Arthur Smith went there. So, you know. <laughs> and uh, Frank did ask at the end of his little thing, did the Bucks re-sign Baker now that his OC is gone? Do you, I, I think they probably have to at this point, don't you think? Yeah, I just don't know who else they get. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know that they're – getting you know it's there's i think cousins may end up going back to minnesota uh i mean who else is out there russ are they, are they gonna sign russ and I, I don't think so or trade for russ uh I, i'm not sure really who else they would get and and baker should i mean cheap in terms of relatively for quarterbacks i mean i'm sure he's gonna get a decent deal after the year he had but He's not going to command, you know, top end money. So, uh, and make and they made the playoff and won a game. So, I mean, I, it's hard to see them not bringing Baker back at this point. I think. Uh, but we'll get to the OC hires. Uh, the two we have on here: Kellen Moore to the Eagles as offensive coordinator. I guess I'll talk about that in a minute. And then, uh, funny enough, Arthur Smith to Pittsburgh as offensive coordinator. Uh, did you add this? I think Scott, uh, this this Chicago thing here. I don't think I put that on there. Maybe, maybe, maybe I did. I don't remember. I did copy and paste Frank stuff. So uh, Thomas Brown in Chicago, I guess, is passing game coordinator. Uh, I guess I'll talk real quick on Kellen Moore. I, I think almost anyone has to be better than than what Brian Johnson did last year. Uh, I mean, their their stats over the whole year actually weren't that bad. But I chalked that up more to the talent rather than than anything Brian Johnson was doing uh, for the Eagles. Uh, Kellen Moore. Uh, I, I don't think it's an amazing hire. I, I do think uh, we'll see them run the ball a little more. Uh, I tended to do that in Dallas. Uh, and it's not like uh, Herbert was lighting it up uh, last year uh, when he was healthy. So I, I don't know that this is the, the best thing for the Eagles assets, but I don't think it's the worst thing either. I like they have a guy that's done it. And I think we're going to see a little more of the running game. I think they got away from that a little too much. Um, which probably hurt the offense as a whole, made him easier to defend. And uh, honestly, I think one of the biggest things that's going to matter more than their offensive coordinator is whether Jason Kelsey comes back. But uh, there's been talk he's going to retire, but then he seemed to, around here, there was a, a report he seemed to backtrack from that a little bit. So it's still kind of up in the air. Uh, but I think that could be one of the biggest things that affects their offense. But I, I don't mind the Cullen Moore hire. I don't know if you guys have any strong opinions on it one way or the other. I mean, it's always interesting to me to watch teams retread these coaches, coordinators. I mean, and and especially Kellen Moore, where everybody thought that he was going to kind of unlock the passing game. But w- w- what he did in Dallas was run – it was – I think they were like the fourth or fifth yeah. most runs in, in expected passing downs – and, and then like, and then and then they shipped him because they weren't running enough for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, what are we? What are we doing? So like, yeah, I, I, it it definitely changes a little bit of the dynamic there in in Philly. But I don't I don't think you get anything that you're not expecting with Kellen Moore. Like that's the like these two like these two guys are going to come in. They're going to run the football quite a bit. Uh, it, Arthur Smith too. Like that's kind of what they do. And so 
I'm not, it's not exciting, but at least it's comfortable. Yeah. And the, the Arthur Smith one to Pittsburgh is the other one that's, yeah, I, I don't love that. I mean, I guess maybe it's good for Najee and Jalen Warren uh, managers. Uh, I don't love it as a guy who has a ton of Deontay Johnson shares. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, it, it, I don't know who the hell their quarterback's going to be next year. Uh, again, I don't know if they can get one of these, like a cousins type or somebody else who might be out there. I, they don't generally kind of do that sort of thing in Pittsburgh. So, but I can't imagine Pickett is going to be starting next year, or if he is, I'm not very happy about that. And I'm not very happy about Mason Rudolph. So I don't know that it much matters who Arthur, you know, that Arthur Smith is there because they don't have anybody to throw the ball. And I, I honestly, I guess we're going to have to assume like the third string running back and their backup tight end are going to be the premier options there anyway. So, <laughs> but Scott, what do you, any thoughts on either of these two guys? Well, frankly, I didn't want to talk about Arthur Smith, so that's why I put Thomas <laughs> Brown on here. Um, the thing that's interesting about Thomas Brown is that he his his first coaching influences, he was the Wisconsin and the Georgia running backs coach, right? So we're talking like Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb, like um, you know, that's that's what he did. That's who he is. Um, and then he joined the Rams staff as running backs coach, assistant head coach. So he was there for the Super Bowl and all that. And then he was the short-lived OC in Carolina last year. That kind of really was Frank Reich's offense. Not really sure how much influence he had. Um, so, and it, he's not coming in to run the offense per se, but I think I think it might be an interesting fit with like Fields and and Herbert and all that. I, I think it's overall it's good for the offense to have his experience and his knowledge in there, as opposed to a random guy who spent one year with Aaron Rodgers and got full control of the offense. So. No, I'm referring to their Luke Getze previous OC, who was completely <laughs> clueless and had no clue what he was doing. Yeah, so that. And uh, Frank uh, put it in the chat here. Someone said Pitt should trade for Pittsburgh should trade for Fields and lean into the run heavy scheme. Uh, I, I'm I heard Greg that... Roman too at that point. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But Scott, um, in Chicago, there are you expecting Fields back? Uh, are they going to keep the pick? The pick and, and just. Caleb Williams and ship off fields or I mean yeah I I still am and I mean I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago and I I think the thing is like you know and you asked me like what would you do as the GM I mean but the thing is with the current ownership it doesn't matter it just frankly does not matter um if I if I'm the GM I wouldn't I would need new owners you know what I mean and then at that point I could take Caleb Williams but as far as what they have right now just just roll with fields and and you know continue to build around him because the team needs so much more than one position. I just don't see how Caleb Williams comes in and changes everything. And I, I understand resetting the rookie contract and all that. And I think yes, he's a better talent than Fields. I get all that. Like if I if, if that's my decision and I have new ownership who's going to put the resources into it, yes, I agree. But frankly, I don't believe it matters whether it's Fields or Williams over the next few years until the owner sells. And I'll be honest, like I haven't I haven't fully watched quarterbacks yet, but I watched Brendan Rice, wide receiver. So I've seen a little bit of Caleb Williams. He's really happy footed in the pocket. And if you're worried that that was the issue with fields, 
And then you bring in another quarterback who's doing a very similar thing. Like maybe he's maybe he's a more talented thrower and he and he can get out and make plays off platform, but like you're still putting your offensive line in the same kind of hamstrung positions that you're you're getting them in now. So it, it I like the idea of of years and and having the the ability to add players around a quarterback on a rookie deal. But if you've already got fields on a rookie deal, like add the players around. And then if you want to move off, figure that out later. But like, man, it just, it seems to me that the way to do this is, you know, add, add skill position or add to me, you pay the fat guys. So, so add, you know, offensive line, defensive line corners or if you want to put a, a, another skill position player out there to help him but I, i'm not sure that caleb williams solves the problems that people think exactly. he's going to solve for the bears right and uh one uh one listener question i'm going to throw in here now because it applies to everything we've just been talking about uh from f our, our buddy ff trader joe uh Scott, what what coach and and then Zach, you can go. What coaching hire uh, has impacted dynasty value for for you the most this non point scoring season twenty twenty four? Either the no C head coach, whatever. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I don't know that I can fully answer that question yet. I mean, there's certainly you know the candidates could be uh, Shane Waldron in Chicago if if it is ends up being Caleb Williams and then we have a fully just new offense new quarterback pretty much everything there being new that could be very interesting and change some values maybe not necessarily for the better for everyone but as far as an impact you know you didn't say positive impact you just said impact (laughs) so (laughs) um you know and then I think uh we still need to see what Las Vegas does we still need to see what New Orleans does um you know, New Orleans is wide open right now on offense. So we don't know who those coaches are going to be, but that whole scheme that was there after Peyton with Peyton after Peyton is gone. Um, you know, what happens with Olave and Shahid and some of these guys that we like, you know, does, does Kamara have a twilight, you know, uh, or does he kind of get pushed out? So that could be interesting as well. But I think the biggest impact the biggest change we're going to see is going to be Jim Harbaugh because that's just everything there is going to change the culture is going to change the offense is going to change everything is going to change so everyone's value is probably going to change in some way and and that one to me is going to be really interesting because I think that I mean you're you're plugged in as a Michigan guy and and Chicago guy and and a Harbaugh guy Right. I don't think a lot of the community is as plugged in and they see the it was like a 53 or 54 percent of the time they ran the ball at yes. Michigan this year. And it was just like, you know, let's go. And so I, you may end up getting, especially with kind of a perceived subpar year for Herbert last year, you may end up getting a value on some of those pieces, including Justin Herbert, who is a tremendous super flex dynasty asset. I mean, he's in that to me, once you get past uh, Allen and Mahomes and Hurts, like he's in that upper echelon of quarterbacks that that I want. And, And I think you may end up seeing a little bit of a discount before people realize that maybe that's not all that that Harbaugh does. 
for me, I'm going to go back to Atlanta and back to Zach Robinson. And maybe I'm stuck on that. Maybe I, I've got a little bit of a terrier uh, mentality where like I'm, I'm, I'm fixated, but Zach Robinson with Bijan, with Kyle Pitts, and a lot of people like Drake London. I'm I'm lukewarm on London, but in an offense where all of a sudden you're instead of pitching backwards and instead of handing the ball off to Tyler Algier as much as you can, unless you can throw to Jonu Smith, I think that 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 addition of of Zach Robinson makes me really excited about some of these. It's like post hype sleeper. Uh, heaven in in Atlanta. It's it's Bijan Robinson who was the running back one until he didn't deliver because what was Arthur Smith doing? But now you've got potential to to have delivery on that. It's Kyle Pitts. It's Drake London. Like I really think that Zach Robinson is the the coach, the coordinator that excites me the most for fantasy value as well. Yeah, and I'm with you on that one, Zach. And we, we kind of talked about that already. So um, I will just mention, uh, because I did one of Russ's random questions that we throw at the end of the tweet about what uh, an underrated or unremembered movie, uh, what is your favorite? And uh, FF uh, Trader Joe said Secret of Nim, which I don't know how many, it's a animated movie from way back when when, when we were kids. Nicodemus. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I like Russ put in the in the uh, he responded in the, the thread. Uh, I don't think I've seen that since I was, and I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid either. But uh, I do remember it being a, a, a fun movie, like that I enjoyed watching. So um, we'll get to some more of those when we do the rest of the questions. So that, I'll leave it to you, Zach. Do you want to go into the rest of the questions, or do you want to go to the trades first? You know, tonight I'm feeling like savoring the question. So let's do the trades first. Okay. And, and then save that for last. Gotcha. Okay. So most of these are actually TA8 decided to get all active this week, trading, trading a bunch of mostly second round picks around. Uh, we have four trades from TA8, but just a reminder, um, TA leagues are 12 team PPR super flex tight end premium with 0.05 for return yards. And we don't have to put the exception on it because there's no TA one trades this week. So we'll get right into these TA trades. First one, uh, Christian Watson for the 209 and a 2025 third. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Your take on this Zach. I'm actually going to take Watson here. And, and uh, again, it's not that, he is necessarily going to emerge in that offense, but he has a chance to emerge in that offense. Jordan Love has been better than I expected. Uh, and the 208, you're getting down around the like dart throw on running back and and hope. And I would rather have uh, Christian Watson, who uh, a couple years ago for me graded out in my top, I think he was a top eight or nine wide receiver, not the type of wide receiver that I like. So he's not uh, the type of player that I gravitate toward. That arch type of like the downfield, like has to be efficient because he's not going to drive the number of targets, but also can be efficient. You saw him do that with Aaron Rodgers. You saw Jordan Love be better at that type of play. You saw Dubs be pretty good down the field. Uh, and and so it, it's 
it's Watson for me. The third doesn't factor, but you know that already. You know me. I'm the yeah. Third, whatever. Especially and, a twenty-five third. But and I'm with you. I was. I think I liked Watson even more than you did because I think he was like my top six or seven in that class. Uh, I I just like the upside there, and it, 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 I'd love to see if you could just stay healthy for a full year. Um, what he might do. And we did see Jordan Love and you know improving down the stretch, and and for me two oh nine. I mean. Basically everything after two oh six like ish, I, I generally am like is almost like another third to me. Like it's so I, I feel like it's so much of a crapshoot. I mean the whole draft is a crapshoot, obviously, but after the early ish second round, it all kind of blends together anyway. So I I would easily take Watson there and take the shot that that, that he hits that upside. Uh, like I said, if Jordan Love continues to improve, then I, I think we could see a lot of good things from Christian Watson. He'll probably never be a, a consistent player. Uh, and as we saw in his rookie year, a lot of his uh, production was touchdown dependent. But uh, again, if, if love is, is can just be like a, uh, you know, top half of the league quarterback, I, I think Watson could, could give us a lot of nice weeks. It, it's the, would you, would you give up this to get Gabe Davis a couple of years ago? Cause like, that's the, that's the thing. And, and like, People get mad at Gabe Davis because PFF was like, he's going to be a top 12 receiver. He was never going to be a top 12 receiver, but he's really good if you can play him in your flex and get those weeks where he scores 20 and put up with the weeks where he scores five. Yeah. Are you, are you on? Or zero. Yeah. Or zero. <laughs> what about you? You taking Watson in this deal, uh, Scott? Yeah. I, yeah. I probably take Watson. I mean, I'm in the time of year right now where I'm really into clearing out players um, in general, just to clear roster spots and, and acquire picks. So like, I, I definitely get it. And like, I think value's fine. Um, but Watson's probably the guy that I, I'm, I'm good with him on any roster. Like if I have a really good roster that just won or is competing, like I probably have some good receivers in there already and so you can kind of take the risk if the risk is you know a sec a late second round pick and this guy could turn into somebody that can help you win weeks then that's a risk worth taking um and then i i guess there's probably some more upside too if you have a younger roster or a retooling or rebuilding roster where you're trying to uh you know create some value add some value later on um i think you could get more than this if he ends up you know maybe starts the year healthy has a few big games and then you can get a little more for him. So I, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of risk here with it. So that's, that's why I'm probably taking Watson. Yep. And as Frank says, what, what a difference a year makes. Cause uh, yeah, even after last year, um, when he finished pretty strong, uh, you were probably getting a, a late first for Watson. Uh, so I'll easily take the two and nine. And I, I mean, I, I'll give the 209 for, for him and uh, yeah, just take the upside. Uh, so the next one, uh, this, this one, uh, I, I know which side Russ would take, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this one is also a receiver for, for basically a pick uh, that maybe you think the player has more, more value than I do. I don't know, Zach, but Calvin Ridley for the 208 and Trey Palmer. Yeah, I'm taking Ridley. Uh, again, Trey Palmer was fine, but a six-round pick who didn't really do a lot this year, uh, you know, 300 and change for yards. And, and so not not necessarily a, a, an auspicious start to a career for a six-rounder. 
uh, Ridley, everyone is really disappointed in his thousand yard, you know, almost 80 catch season (laughs) coming off two years out of the league. Ridley's almost at the point where I'd rather have picks, but still not quite there. And I, I think I'd rather have Ridley in the points and just ride him into the sunset. What about you, Scott? Well, I basically traded Ridley for exactly this uh, about a year ago this time. So uh, I'd probably do it again. Um, I don't know. He he was frustrating for me, but probably just personally on the, the few rosters that I had him on. So, you know, from a broader view, I probably shouldn't take it so personally. Um, but that's just kind of that's just kind of where I'm at. Um you know, with this class, there's just so many receivers coming in and, uh, you know, there's just opportunities to get younger and, and get some maybe higher upside or more consistency or, and I, I isn't really as a free agent, right? So we don't necessarily know that he's resigning or where he's going. So, uh, at this point, you know, again, I don't think there's a lot of risk there, so it's not, not a, by no means a bad trade or a misvalued trade in, in any way, but I'll probably just take the pick there and, and the youth and see what happens. Probably flip Palmer for something after that. Too. Well, and my thought though, is I, I think I can get that for Ridley after he signs anytime. Yeah. Like yeah. Anytime. That's and, fair. And so it's not, it's, I don't know. And you may get more, like imagine if he ends up with a, you know, in a place where there's an actual, he goes to the Chiefs. Is, is playing. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, oh my right. goodness, yeah. that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm with Zach. I think I would, I would take Ridley again, just because, like I said, that that mid second is kind of the cutoff for me to 205 to, and anything after that, I, I will take a player that I think is going to score me points. He, he, uh, I was looking it up on the on the trade addict scoring. Uh, I didn't look at points per game, but he was uh, 24 overall, uh, wide receiver 31 uh, in points per game. But, you know, just a few points up from being a wide receiver, too. Uh, not a few points, like less than, a, I think, a, a point. So because uh, it's all kind of bunched up at that point, I, I'll I'll give up, a, you know, a late a mid to late second for a guy that can give me wide Low end two, high end three numbers. Like to throw in my flex spot, I'm fine with that. Uh, I know he's he's getting older, and like you said, he's a free agent, so he could also end up, you know, with the Patriots or something. Probably, <laughs> but uh, sorry, Zach. But, <laughs> but it's uh, the new look Patriots. Yes, <laughs> meet the but, new boss, same as the old boss. But to know? me, the 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 what you're giving up is 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 so little to me. I'd, I'd rather just I'd try, I try. I would probably even if I'm selling, I'm gonna like you said, hold and hope that he gets a good landing spot. And then maybe you can get, you know, the two Oh three or something like that. Uh, But our next one is another wide receiver for a second round pick trade. Uh, Marvin Mims for the two Oh seven. I don't know what to think about this one. Cause I don't know what to think about Mims at this point. I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, the, the Denver offense. Cause I have no friggin' idea what we're going to see from that next year, who the quarterback's going to be. Wasn't great this year. Uh, uh, Russ was a decent fantasy option. Pretty much no one else was except uh, maybe Sutton. But uh, what do you think, Zach? I, you you it, probably know more about Mims than I do. It, it cuts me deep because I, I liked Mims coming out, but also was pretty rational about what he is and is a, is a take the top off the defense. Uh, it, it was very efficient in college with, with getting deep, 
was able to make a few plays uh, shorter, but like ultimately he's he's a better asset for an NFL team than he is for a fantasy team. I'm probably kicking the can down the, as as much as I hate to say that. I'm probably kicking the can down the field and and taking the 207 because there are and and Scott mentioned it, but there are nine right now receivers that I've watched that I am not disinterested in. And then there are like three or four more that I'm like, maybe like, like Xavier Leggett could be fine. Like Polk could be fine. Like there are other players down outside of this range of, of guys that I'm really interested in. And so if I can get to nine receivers, you know, there are going to be a couple of running backs in there. You know, there are going to be three or four quarterbacks in there. And you know that there's going to be at least one, maybe two tight ends in that you're, you're going to be pushing down past that two Oh seven. And so that's probably where I'm going with this, even though I did like Mims as, as far as like he graded well in things that I look at that don't necessarily translate to fantasy points, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but like I look at a whole bunch of, I look at 10 different traits for receivers and like he scored highly enough in the traits that don't necessarily translate to fantasy points that he was graded highly, but was also someone I'm like, you got to understand this is what he is. And it's kind of wild to me. We went through these three trades in a row that the uh, the guy that and we're talking one pick apart each, but the guy that garnered the highest pick of these three receivers was Mims, <laughs> Mims. with the two hundred seven. Uh, but I agree with you. I you mean he's kind of like even if he hits, he's sort of the definition of a guy that's better in best ball yeah. than than an actual you know redraft or dynasty lineup. Uh, so this is I'm with you on this one. I think I would take the pick over the receiver because you're not getting guaranteed points. And I guess you could say, you know, Ridley and Watson aren't guaranteed points either. But I, I feel better about those two than I do about Mims uh, going forward, even if, if Ridley's a lot older. Uh, so, Scott, you taking the pick uh, yeah. as well? Yeah, pick pick for me. I liked Mims a lot coming out. So in the past, I'd be the guy that's like, yep, I'll take Mims because I liked him. And I liked him then, and he's probably good, and I'm probably right. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is just adjust my past processes, knowing that I, I tend to hang on to these receivers, right? And then here we are two, three years later, and they're basically not worth anything, or they didn't do anything or whatever. And uh, and, and it's more just about the Broncos. I have no clue what they're doing. Yes. And everybody was so convinced that, oh, Judy's going to be gone or Sutton's going to be gone or both of them, you know, and it's like at least one of them though, but, but maybe <laughs> both, but at least one, you know, and then, and then they're both still, so it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, so I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably just gonna, Mims is my 15th most rostered receiver. So uh, I have quite a few shares, so I'll probably have to go send out some trades now and see if I can get some mid-seconds for them. Okay, and this is our last TAA trade, which does not involve a wide receiver, but does involve more picks. Mid-second. Uh, yeah, another second-round pick. So uh, the 204, uh, I'll let you start this one off, Scott. 204 for Luke Musgrave, the 304, and the 310. Yep, taking the taking the tight end and the picks there. Uh, Musgrave, uh, he's probably going to be splitting time with Kraft going forward, but I like him a lot in the tight end premium. I'm all in. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, my biggest 
portfolio gain that I saw was at the tight end position over the last few years. I've been hammering that. Uh, my my championship teams were due to multiple producing tight ends. Uh, I'm going to keep sticking with that process for as long as it's working. And so I'm going to just go ahead and go with uh, Musgrave there and and get the, the dart throws that are probably going to turn into some random crazy third round picks that uh, that Zach and J Mike talk about on dummies at some <laughs> point. So. Yeah, one one of them will obviously be a P- Puka Nakua level player, right, Scott? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen, if you listen to Zach and J Mike, then yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> what about you? you taking you taking the I, tight end? I, I'm actually going to take the pick because I think I can. Like at worst, I think I can do better than Musgrave at tight. Because I, again, I think there are a couple of tight ends in this class. I think Bowers is going to go in the first, but. But I do think that some talent gets pushed into that early second. And I don't think – as and, and, Scott, I, I do agree with you. And when I'm in Russ's leagues, especially with a 1.75 premium, like I, I hammer tight ends. In fact, I play tight end at my Superflex often. Uh, that's, that's how I will kind of build that advantage. But I don't think Musgrave is one of the – difference making tight ends i think he's fine i think Kraft was actually better and, and i was on this hill last year during the draft last year pre-draft like it felt to me the the musgrave and then Kraft felt to me a lot like hayden hurst and Andrews. then mark Andrews. yes and, and i i said that several times i said it in fact before Kraft came back and started playing well i went on uh with uh Jake Trowbridge and and Dustin uh, and and went on with them on drinking and talking fantasy and I, they asked me they were like who's a player you and I was like you're gonna like this because you guys are are cheeseheads like you're you're here in Wisconsin but it's craft and so I'm gonna take the 204 over the Musgrave in the in the third round. I think I lean with Zach here and taking the pick uh, because it is that higher second. And like you said, even if you're – if you need a tight end, I mean, I, I don't think – Musgrave you can, is something you can bank on. But even just ignoring the, the positional aspect of it, like you said, there's going to be a ton of receivers in this draft that, that are going to uh, have potential, and some of them are going to fall into that early second. Well, and, and Scott, Scott, like what? What if I told you it was Blake Corum there at at two oh four? Are we are we more interested? Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm going to continue with uh, adding adding youth to my tight end group overall. But yeah, I I actually I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I only had one Musgrave share after yeah. rookie draft season last year. I had all craft because you could get him so much later, right? Yeah. So. Um, I did, I did the same thing there. I just think I like the Packers offense. I like what they're doing. I think there's a a potential value gain there or what it does. It may free me up to trade like, uh, you know, one of my other tight ends that now maybe I was flexing or I don't necessarily need. And and then I could find, um, something more valuable than the two Oh four. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I have, I have no issue with the value of it, uh, by any means. And that two Oh four is probably going to end up being, um, a a very usable player. So yeah, I get it. And and to your point about Kraft, I was just looking on the one point seven five premium. He had uh, he finished the year with four straight thirteen plus point games, which you know not amazing. It was all between like thirteen and eighteen. But but for Certainly you know usable. a rookie tight end, yeah. 
that that uh, not a lot, you know, we weren't expecting a lot from. That was uh, kind of interesting to see. Um, and our last trade is from TA10. Uh, this is the only one that uh, involves Russ or I. This was Russ uh, made this trade. I'll let you uh, figure out which side he got, but uh, I'll tell you afterwards. But uh, the 110 uh, for Saquon Barkley, straight up. It's still that. Saquon. It's still Saquon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still hard, Saquon. It's hard yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm still. I'm taking Saquon here. Uh, he's getting obviously a little older. Giants offense isn't isn't anything to write home about. But uh, Saquon's still producing at a pretty decent level. Uh, I, I'll give a late first for him. Uh, Russ actually got the pick, by the way. Uh, but you, you're gonna <laughs> uh, you're gonna take Saquon though there too, Scott. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the the startup results that are the same scoring here as uh, TA leagues. Barkley went at five oh seven, and the one ten went at seven twelve. Wow. That is significant. It's a big difference, yeah. over two rounds. Yeah, so it's interesting. Funny too, but, this trade was between yeah. two guys who hate running backs because John Bosch yeah. is the one that um, <laughs> that's Saquon Barkley. Uh, okay, so. That finishes up our trades for the week. We'll get into the listener questions. Uh, we'll start with Frank's question. Frank almost always uh, sends uh, a question now along with the news. And he asks, now that Jamison Williams is Gabe Davis 2.0 after his uh, playoff performance this week, what are you trading him, uh, trading for him or trading him away for? And then he gave, uh, this is fun, he gave us a nice little list from the DLF trade analyzer, you know, 2QB, tight end premium, with Jamison right in the middle. And uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll run through this list, and, and you tell me Jamison or, or the other player. Jamison or Roshan Johnson? Roshan. Yeah. Jamison or James Conner? Like, you, you're going to <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but it, it's it's probably Jamison Williams. Yeah, but but again, like I think, are we behind on the DLF trade uh, finder trade analyzer? Like, because it feels like he just had another like a good island game playoff yeah. game. Yeah, I yeah. don't think this is factoring in the island. Yeah, game. yeah, no doubt. If they, if they update it that quickly, but like no this doubt. this is exactly Frank to to answer your question kind of at least the way I I think dynasty because a lot of it's psychology for me I, like this is the time when I would be trading Jameson Williams because he just had a good game in an island game where where everybody watched him everybody saw him score a touchdown like this is this is the time you strike while the iron is hot uh that said I don't have him rostered anywhere so it's not <laughs> I sold pretty much all of them. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like he was not, he was not in that class. He was not on my radar at all. Uh, even though he was great at Alabama, like he just yeah. didn't do things that I value as a as a fantasy player. The interesting thing to me here is that there's two picks on here, one ahead of him and one below him. A 24 early third or a 25 second. Are you trading either of those for Jamison Williams? Are you giving him away easily for either of those? I'll take the 25 second. Yeah. Yeah, the second's probably the one. Uh, I like honestly, honestly, I'd probably rather have Nick Chubb than anything on the and hope that his knee comes back. So would you, would you give away Williams for the early third? 
No, I think I can do better than that. Yeah, yeah I, pr- I probably. I so I'm going to, I wrote this down too, because I just referenced that startup with the same scoring. And so I took these players and I wrote down where they went in the startup. Um, so interestingly enough, Roshan went 13-11, Jameson Williams went 13-12. So they went, <laughs> they want to pick yeah. apart. So that's, that's pretty right on there. However, Nick Chubb went 7.05, which I, I mean, that's, that's that seems wild. high to me. High. That seems yeah. way high, yeah. but it, that's, that's where he went. So again, you know, small, small sample size, but, um, and then I was looking at the other players on here. Uh, I, I actually couldn't even find James Conner. Um, I don't even know where he went. Probably like twentieth round. Um, Schultz is the sneaky in one seven five premium. Yeah, he went eleven oh seven, so two rounds earlier than this. However, the picks are dead on here with the twenty four early third because the three oh one went, and then it was like Demario Douglas, Traylon Burks, Roshan, and Jameson Williams. So it, it was like right there, and uh, Dotson actually went in the ninth. So, yeah, I wanted to ask I, you about. To that, me, that was wild that was, to me that Dotson was below Jameson Williams. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jahan Dotson guy, but I think I'd still rather have him over Jameson Williams. They're oh, yeah. the hype on them, though. To me, feels very similar because it's like when they scored touchdowns, we're like, "Oh, they're great," but yeah, they don't like that's not a sustainable thing, not a consistent thing. And so, to me, when when that happens, I'm that's when I bail. Right. Okay. So our next question comes from uh, our buddy who asked a question almost every week and was on last time Scott was on, on the show yes. here at FF Tommy B. Uh, many analysts seem to offer advice centered around creating efficiencies like roster construction by this guy, sell that one. Here's a warp chart for your starting settings, etc. How much, if at all, do you attempt to build inefficiencies in your league, Marcus, to disrupt norms? Well, this is such Tommy. a Tommy question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say this, Tommy. It's a Tuesday in January, so I have physical pain thinking about this right now. This is way too complicated for me to answer, but um, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear Zach's answer because I think everybody knows my answer as far as just smashing quarterbacks and now tight ends as well. And and that's just, you know, how I play. I've always played. And that's it. Like for me, and and this is how I always play a a rust league. It's back to the tight ends. And, and I'm going to have at least two of those top tight ends. And if I can get more, I'm going to have more because people, especially in the startup, people undervalue those tight ends and they overvalue quarterbacks in a super flex. And I know Tommy, you don't want to hear that because you are now doing the, you know, the, the top end. Uh, yeah, I feel like and- Tommy asked a version of this question almost every week since he well, started uh, talking well, about this, getting the top end quarterbacks. It. But it's like, it's a, it's a brilliant strategy. And if you can, do that if you can kind of corner a market in your league while cornering the points and the points are are still startable points then you've done something and and to me it's even better in the the ta leagues and and leagues rush commissions because if you're doing it with quarterbacks you're only starting two of those quarterbacks and yes you're creating an advantage and yes you're taking away points from other teams but you're only starting two of them where with tight ends, I can flex in if I want to five tight ends 
So, so just hypothetically, if I took Tommy's quarterback strategy, where he likes to go get the top five scoring quarterbacks, if I was in a Russ league and and drafted a, a, the top five or six tight ends, those tight ends are scoring like high end QB twos. So now all of a sudden, I'm starting seven quarterbacks in a league. Like that's just ridiculous, and that's how I think of it with these tight ends. And so, like to your point, Tommy, creating inefficiencies, like that's how I that's how I do this in Russ leagues, and and I've been pretty successful in them. I don't want to rub that in, Rocky, but like we were neck and neck in that. <laughs> in if it's TA eleven lost it, by two points, by the way. But if I oh, if no. I, I hemmed in hot, if I'd started Tucker Craft, it wouldn't have even been a sweat, but. <laughs> But but I went I went Aaron Jones and it was it came down to the second half, but yeah. Uh, but yeah but like it, it's 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 Kelsey it's Andrews it's Kittle it's you know whatever I can get for tight ends and not all tight ends are created equal either. Go look for especially if you're playing in a tight end premium. Everyone's like oh tight ends it's a tight end premium. No, it's a a tight end premium for guys who catch the ball. So go look for receptions because that's where you're going to get that multiplier. And so that's what I tend to do. And that to me is creating an inefficiency because I'm doing the same thing. Tommy is with quarterbacks where I'm taking away points from everybody else and adding points to my roster and startable points. I can. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say, I love that Zach with the tight ends. And I, I'm curious what you think, because, yeah, I, I, I get what Tommy's going for. I still think it's kind of a wild uh, strategy to try. I mean, I know he said it's it's worked uh, for this past year. I think he said the two teams he did it on finished first and second or something like that. I, I don't know that – obviously me. I don't know that I could ever bring myself to try and do that. Um, but I just think it's it's – like you said, I like so much more trying to do this at the tight end position because there's just there's a scarcity at tight end too. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of them that actually you know are you can stick in your lineup as opposed to non-starting. Oh. You know, only thirty-two starting quarterbacks, but uh, there's only like there's less probably really worth starting. You know, like high-end tight ends than there are high-end quarterbacks. Well, I mean, maybe, but like, relative to there, the rest of the a, position, I mean, there's a re- there's a really big drop. Like that's been kind of the the elephant in the room the past few years is there is a very similar drop off. Now, yeah, there are more. There are probably eight quarterbacks, but there's a very similar drop off where that middle class of quarterback is scoring con- significantly lower than than that upper tier or two. And they're being valued at a very similar level, which, again, that's why I pivoted to tight ends, because the tight ends are going where those quarterbacks that I don't want to draft anyway are going. <laughs> and and so I'll take similar or better points from a position that is being undervalued rather than rather than attack quarterback. It, it's I would be interested to see how how that strategy sustains and whether or not Tommy ends up being forced to trade away some of those top end quarterbacks to kind of sustain the back end of, of his roster. But I do understand and, and like applaud going in and taking away points from other teams, making their weakness, your strength 
and kind of doubling up on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. I love the outside the box thinking. I just I don't think I could bring myself <laughs> to do it. But Scott, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I just wanted to give like an example of this. Uh, our friend Dustin Church runs a league that's that's similar. It's actually two PPR for tight ends, so it's that full point premium. Um, and I went from the one hundred three, uh, and over the last couple of years, got McBride and added Laporta as well. And I so I'm drafting at the one hundred three. That's where I was at, and I won this year because. Getting Kittle is it? What do you think it's cheaper to trade for Kittle or you know pick any random quarterback that's Kittle. scoring the same point, right? So you you get an old veteran like that, you team them up with Laporta and McBride. Obviously, they got very lucky. So this isn't about like you know the players per se, but just the process of saying you know I I think I got McBride at like two hundred one, you know last was a couple years ago, right? And then Laporta I also got at the end of the first or the early second too. So even in a two PPR is able to get those guys that late didn't cost me a ton. I'm able to stack these guys up together. And I did take Stroud at one Oh three. Other than that, I really didn't have a quarterback at all. And I was able to win the championship coming from, you know, here I'm supposed to be like in a full rebuild, right. With the third pick. And then I go all the way to the championship because of loading up on tight end. And then it just all happened to work out at the same time. Not likely to happen, obviously, um, but it just shows that that's, there's your proof. There's your players. There's your, uh, proof of concept, right? Yep. Okay. So, uh, we will move on to our next question from at DFF underscore S Jonathan zero two. What going on there? Um, with the devil, Arthur Smith in Pittsburgh, what, do, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit. What do you do with the pass catchers and does it matter who's throwing them the ball now? He also mentions, uh, what dreams may come for his movie and his underrated movie answer, uh, Robin Williams movie from the late nineties. But uh, Scott, uh, Scott, what do you, what do you, are, what are you doing with the pass catchers? So based on the uh, Twitter timeline today, I'm buying because every, everybody's just, you know, it's the fun thing, right. To just hate Arthur Smith and, Oh my God, the Steelers are terrible. And who's the quarterback. So that's cool. I'll, I'll go buy them. I mean, Somebody's going to do something there. Uh, so, you know, we'll figure it out. It, it, I would not be shocked if Deontay Johnson isn't there. Um, I, I fully expect him to be, but I, I would not be shocked if he's gone. Uh, I'm pretty much in on, on everybody. Friermuth, Pickens, like, I don't know who it's going to be, but if everybody's out and everybody wants to avoid this situation, the, the, I'll, I'll be looking at that as an opportunity to buy. You agree, uh, Zach? Yeah, I think so. And and it to me, the the second question: Does it matter who's throwing the ball? It absolutely does. And and I like Pickett does not move an offense. It doesn't matter if it's Arthur Smith's offense. Doesn't matter if it's Matt Canada's offense. It doesn't matter. He does not move an offense. And so it does matter. Like if Pickett's there. I think you're probably getting players about at value because people are, are overrating the Arthur Smith effect, but underrating the picket. So it's kind of even, Uh, but if Pickett's gone and you can still get the value with Pittsburgh pass catchers, like absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing to me is who's the, who's the quarterback. If, If it's Pickett, I, like you said, I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, and 
I mean, I, and there's really no point in, in, in selling them right now. I right. mean, like you said, everybody is uh, going to take this Arthur Smith news and, and just hate on everything in Pittsburgh right now, uh, except maybe the running backs. So, uh, yeah, with the pass catchers, I think at, at best you have to hold and, and, and uh, otherwise you, you should be buying. Like you said, I think you can get almost anybody there cheaper than, you, you know, they probably should go. Um, at uh, Butte, Buford nine four four two stud RBs were once considered the best assets in dynasty, and now young stud wide receivers are what people covet most, or stud QBs and superflex leagues. Uh, what do you foresee being the next big value swing in the market? Uh, sounds like uh, you guys are just going to say tight ends, since that's the one thing he didn't mention. That's what we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, we we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? Like, uh, I think the question was something like, you know, what's kind of the next movement, right? So, kind of a similar uh, question to this, and and yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm personally seeing that across my portfolio. So I'm, I can just tell you based on my experience, that's what I'm seeing. Um, you know, is it necessarily right or? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. I, I don't. I can't predict the future. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys, right? So. Um, but that's that's what I'm seeing for sure. Uh, I can even say like in in non-premium leagues, having that that elite tight end still gives you that positional advantage and it allows you to, you know, take swings at other positions. So um, I, I really I really do think it is tight end. And I think we're we're able to do that because there's a lot of finally we're seeing like the mesh of like college systems and pro systems where these guys can have an impact sooner and greater than in the past. And so that's, that's really the biggest change. It's not necessarily like the talent or, um, you know, anything like that. It's, it's just really, we're finally getting that, that proper mesh for them to come through. And, and, and I will add too, I think too, like, especially if you're doing stuff through like, you know, joining through Twitter, even like safe leagues, uh, a lot of a lot of the leagues are moving to higher tight end. Like I see a lot of like what I've been joining the last year or two. I haven't added that many leagues, but it's almost always a a one point seven five or two point oh premium, even more. Which is you know, obviously, down. yeah, point per first exactly, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. stuff like that. So um, we're we're still boosting up the tight end position at the same time that we're getting more and better young tight ends coming into the league. It, it's just like you said, it, it makes a ton of sense. And, and I wish I had it pulled up, and I don't like. I have a, and this is don't tell anybody, but I have a spreadsheet where I track uh, running back classes and and pass catching and rushing volume and all of that. And there's a real. It's, I, I did a show a couple of years ago with with Jacob Rickroad and Peter Howard, and we talked about this. But there's a real ebb and flow uh, every right around eight years where running back peaks and then it drops off and then it comes back. Well, 2017 and 2018 was where we got that peak. And so in another couple of years, and we're in a trough and in another couple of years, we're going to have that peak again. So it's not, it's very cyclical and, it has something to do with the fact that we get talented running backs and they stick around, but it also, it also has to do with the way the league kind of attacks. So if, if there's a position of strength, the league will shift and start to figure out how to stop that. 
and and then it shifts to a different position and you know so it, it kind of ebbs and flows uh, running back is going to come back it is and it, it's going to come back we'll have a we'll have a big class of running backs in in a couple of years and it will be the running back renaissance all over again but nobody realizes that it happens every eight or nine years like that's just kind of how it how it goes. So it will be back right now. I, like I'm with you, Scott and, and Rocky tight end is this. We had a, a great class last year of young players. We still have some of the holdouts, you know, Kelsey is getting older, but then even like Andrews is not old for a tight end. Like you, you've got this really nice group up at the top Hawkinson, although injured last year, like you've got a really good core group. And Bowers coming in just adds to that. So that's the group right now that people aren't looking at that they should be. Yep. And I, I should mention, too, that Buford9442 also mentioned his favorite underrated movie, Cinderella Man. I got to throw that in there. If you guys want to comment on the movies, feel free. A lot of these ones I are I so on. underrated, I haven't seen them. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, our next question comes from Ascending Descent, uh, which we just go by his Twitter name instead of his handle because his handle is too hard to say. Um, so how do you feel about Dynasty? He has a few different questions, so we'll take them one by one. How do you feel about Dynasty dispersals in older leagues without newcomers? We talked about this, um, I think, a few weeks ago when Russ was uh, on the show. But uh, we have a different group here, so I'll let you guys two talk about it. Zach, what do you think? Oh, see, I, I was going to let you take it because I was I was going to watch you fold your arms and be mad about dispersals. But <laughs> I already did that, <laughs> even though even though you even though you take advantage of them. no, but like <laughs> I did, I mentioned that. <laughs> to me, uh, a dispersal in an older league without newcomers is just redrafting your dynasty. Yeah, yeah, like and which is fine. Like they, sometimes you are in a league where like it's run its course it's, and yeah, and yeah. that like reset it like that's fine but like it's not really a dispersal and like kind of let, let's get together and figure it out and because drafts are fun we can throw everything back and 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 restart and and run it again but to me that's not if you're not bringing in new blood it's not really a dispersal it's just a redraft yeah well i assume he's saying yeah. the second chance thing where not everybody is joining so i guess it's still sort of a dispersal but... well it's saying without newcomers though so i, I that's, yeah that's right but the... you could offer a second chance dispersal maybe the good teams and the teams with like eight picks aren't joining it so maybe it's so like then four you... teams well uh... here here's <laughs> this pile of stegosaurus excrement <laughs> have fun pick out whatever you want and, and let's go. I'm not again. promoting is, it. I'm just yeah. saying, I think that's what he might mean. It's not necessarily redrafting the whole league, is all I'm saying. Well, I'm saying you might, like, I'm saying you might as well. Yeah, yeah. you might as well at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. But, so, who was a long shot for a starting QB job that you still plan to roster? And then he says, Jameis Winston, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we all want Jameis to start again. That's, that's, that's fun for, for fantasy and for the NFL. Uh, but is there anyone that comes to mind besides Jameis? Uh, I know I didn't really have a good answer. I mean, this one. it's fun. So I'm I'm looking at my TA eleven roster, and there's Jameis. There's Mike White, who <laughs> again like was fine when he played. 
Joe Flacco. I was just going to say Joe Flacco. That's the guy that came to mind while you were talking. Uh, I I can't really think of anybody else that I would be like super excited to see uh, uh like start start games now. I can't. Is there anybody that you're thinking of, Sky? See you. You know, just kind of thinking there. Yeah, I just I'm I'm kind of scrolling through like all the uh you know backups that I have rostered and yeah I I just I don't I don't think there's anyone that would have such an impact. You know, I mean, like this time a year ago, I would have said you know Minshew, right? Because that's yeah. the guy that we've seen have some success and whatever. And then you know we just saw him start a year. So um yeah, outside of that. You know, I don't know. Maybe it would have to be like a, a Trey Lance or a, a Malik Willis or somebody getting a shot with a new team. Those are good um, ones, yeah. You know, and then and then maybe maybe getting a chance there. Um, otherwise, I think we're kind of in a, you know, like the Carson Wentz's and all that. They're, they're kind of we've seen them. It's you know it's beyond their time, and then now we've got some new guys coming in, and I don't know that there's anybody super super exciting yet that you know we we saw so many quarterbacks yeah, you know, I, was just, I was just quarterbacks like, uh, you know. josh dobbs yeah i mean you know i mean i you know i don't know i don't know who else there there really is at this point so i don't know yeah tough question i think you hit them all yeah okay and uh his last one his last question uh says rank them. Uh, and we actually kind of talked about almost all these we guys. Did. Except one. Uh, but Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson. What are you, what order are you putting them in Zach? Uh, I think I want, this is hard. I want Watson Burks. Agreed. Uh, JMO Dotson, just because I think there's more, there's more chance that Jamison Williams gets value. Than I think Dotson and Burks last. Yeah, he said uh, no. Watson Burks. Yeah, Watson Burks. I'm still a oh. Burks guy. I okay. still, like I'm still holding out that just like eh, okay, okay. Well, new new scheme, right? Um, yeah. You know, new yeah. So okay, it's probably dumb. It's it's okay. it's the same thing where you're like, I'm trying to revamp my process. Like I try to do that. I try to like, well, Bur- clear out the roster cloggers, but like. No, he's the guy. He that's yeah. what I've done for 20 years. That's the guy I will die with because yeah. you know, and then he ends up not having any value, and I just wasted all those first round picks, right? So I'm I'm trying to at least move off of some shares, although I'll definitely still keep a few, right? Like like Russ says, the Justin K share, right? So yeah, um yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. We just really haven't seen much from him. Yeah, yeah for, for me, so. Watson's easily the the, the top guy. Yes, the yes. We're all then, in agreement there. Yeah, and then, then it's tough. The other three, uh, I, I think I lean Burks too, just because he has been banged up so much, and and maybe if they can get uh, some decent quarterbacking there, um, we can finally. I like Burks a lot too. I think I had him as my wide receiver too in that class. Uh, so he was my one. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was him and and Garrett Wilson, and then drop your voice. Yeah, I think me. I had it Wilson Burks, but yeah. yeah. Um, and the other two, I I think I lean Dotson slightly more over Jamo just because 
Uh, well, actually, I don't know because Williams has the better quarterback, but they don't seem to throw to him a lot. So um, it's a tough call. I think I lean Dotson uh, just because he has not that he's produced a ton, but he has produced a little more over uh, the first couple of years. And it, it's to me, it's almost like six on one hand, half a dozen on the other. But yeah, it, yeah, it's whichever one you can trade faster. Yeah, <laughs> Dotson's the most unlike the others, um, but I also think he's like maybe the best at just getting open and hands wise too. So I don't know. I guess I would say, yeah, he's probably two for me. So Watson, Dotson, Burks, and JMO would be last for me. Okay. And his two movies were John dies at the end and goon, both of which I've heard of neither of which I've seen. I've, I've seen them both. Yeah. Good movies. Yeah. They were, they were good. Like, I've heard good things about Goon. That's the hockey movie, right? Yeah, with with, oh, uh, yeah, with, yeah. with Stifler. Yeah, Stifler, right. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. But I never did see it. Um, and our last question comes from uh well, let me before we get to the last question, do either of you have an underrated slash underremembered movie? That's how I phrased it in the question. Two? I've got okay. two. And and maybe maybe Emperor's New Groove is not underremembered but it is underrated it is one of the best i think disney it's probably underremembered too yeah yeah it's one of the best disney movies like period uh and and then plus I, it has the, isn't that the one the the, the both gif yeah 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 both both, 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 nope. both. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i've been turned into a cow can i go home <laughs> like that but anyway cronk pull the lever no uh war games is, is oh, one for that me. is a great one. Dude, and, and, you know, I've the, seen that. <laughs> so the the funny thing about war games uh, is I like I I work as kind of a defense contractor. We're still using a system to track pieces of the ship that is legit. Like war games, like you know, like your your sea prompt, like coming into like we're still using. So, like, not only is it a great movie, not only does it hold up, but, like, I'm sitting there laughing kind of in retrospect at my own place of work uh, for this. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that is – and I think that one's very under-remembered. I know – I'm sure Russ would know that movie, too. But uh, I should mention, too, because Keith uh, – uh, at the Sming Dynasty on Twitter, um, who was – uh, who who is in uh, TA11 – uh, he had mentioned two movies, but didn't ask a question, so that's why it didn't come up on the sheet here. Which was uh, Falling Down, a lot of '90s movies in here, Falling Down and uh, Sneakers, both of which I have seen, both of which are very good. Uh, as he mentioned, Sneakers kind of ahead of its time. It's all about like sort of like computer and cybersecurity and yeah. all that kind of stuff, uh, and a great cast too. Um, the one I, I don't I would... go ahead, oh. Scott. Um, I was gonna say, you know, I don't know how old or like how obscure you wanted to go, but like I just think of three movies in three totally different categories that I enjoyed in my younger days. But uh, Club Dread is one that um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily forgotten in in any way because you know those clowns are still around making funny stuff. <laughs> um, Necessary Roughness. Oh, good one. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just remember watching that as a kid with my dad. And um, like, I, there's some classic people in there. And uh, and then The Last Castle was the other one that I had. 
which was uh you know Tony Soprano, what's what's his what's his name? I forget. Uh, James Gandolfini. Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that that was uh, that was a good. Robert Redford was in that one too. That was a good one. It's a good one back in the day. Ninety. I think those were all nineties movies too, right? Yeah, and the two I have, I think, are nineties movies too. But both, uh, weirdly enough, uh, with Kevin Spacey in them. Um, one is a comedy that I don't, I don't hear anybody ever talk about, which I loved. Dennis Leary, Kevin Spacey, The Ref. I don't even know if anybody remembers mm. this movie. Uh, it was very good. It's all about. It takes place around Christmas, and basically, uh, Leary is like robbing a Kevin Spacey's home and has to hold them hostage. But then they have to pretend he's like they're part of their family when they're their therapist when his family comes and it's a whole weird thing it's very good though and then the other one is um and again this is like a like a rip on, on like hollywood it's uh swimming with sharks with um kevin spacey and frank whaley i don't know if uh, and benicio del toro is in it too uh very good movie uh, it looks like neither of you two have ever seen either of them, I have not. but they're very good movies. I'd recommend checking them out. Somebody out there is going to recognize these movies. I think Swimming with Sharks is probably more well-known than The Ref, but um, both very good. Um, but we'll get to our last question now. Um, at our run 13 who I believe looks like he's in the chat, uh, in Superflex, tight end premium, who are your guys after the top three at each position? Who are you planning your flag on for rookies? And he gave three movies, so I should mention them. The Last Dragon, Little Monsters, and Dogma. I love Dogma. I love everything Kevin Smith pretty much. So, uh, But uh, what about you, uh, Zach? Uh, who, who are you planning your flag on for rookies? And I guess who are your guys after the top three at each position? Goodness, top three to each position. So quarterback is going to be. I mean, it's the the big three, isn't it? Isn't is it, it Mahomes, Allen? Is saying after the top three? I'm right? not sure or, if this first question is referring your, to rookies oh, okay. or or if he's this is just regular. I don't know if these are tied together two, or two separate. I think it's questions. two questions. Who who are who are your guys? Your 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 guys after the top three, and then who are you planting your flag on for rookies? That's how I read it anyway. But I think so too. To each his own interpretation, I suppose. Oh, uh, like so, like who's your fourth best quarterback? Is that what, like? Or, is that or like, I, I took it four? as who's I your think guy. It more is like a guy that maybe isn't the fourth best, but is like your guy. <laughs> right, Kid Rockies is trade. Okay, so yeah, who's your guy outside of like the top guys? Basically, who's your guy? Yeah, so I don't think... say like Josh Allen and Bijan, right? Right, right, saying, right. Like, who's your guy? Yeah, okay, all right, got it, man. I don't I don't know. Like that that's like that's a really hard question for me because I try to be really rational. Like I'm not a portfolio player. Like Scott plays portfolio, so like that's an entirely different different animal. Uh I guess for me at quarterback like it's maybe just it's, someone you're higher on than most. Well, so for me at quarterback, it's been Lamar Jackson forever, and I know that that's like I I, I listen to uh to the super flex super show and, and here Hogue just hate on Lamar Jackson, but like, he's been my guy. He's been my guy since he came out. I, I took a lot of flack for grading him higher than Baker Mayfield uh, in that class. And I'll stand by it uh, at wide receiver right now. It's still Jordan Addison. Like I really like, he was my guy coming out last year, had a decent season, uh, I expect him to be again even even better. And running backs don't matter. I don't know. 
Like running running backs just don't matter. And then we're back to Tucker Craft at, at tight end. Like I got him everywhere because he was he was the guy. I was taking him in the third round of rookie drafts last year. Probably didn't yeah. have to, but right. I was. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's I mean, that's really funny because I mean quarterback, so as you are with Lamar, I am with Herbert. Yep. And and now that Harbaugh's there, even more so. So I'm gonna be all in on him. Um, so Herbert's always been my guy. Um all on that. I, it's funny because I didn't write down a running back because I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> I tell you, we get, we're right there on the same page. Um, I, so again, portfolio approach, I try to, I don't worry about it non-point scoring season, but as we get closer and closer to kickoff, I do what's called a uh, portfolio balancing. So I just try to move some guys that I have a lot of shares of to guys that I don't have as many shares of. Uh, so I don't really worry about it this time of year, certainly not through rookie drafts. If there's a guy like I'm just going to draft and we'll figure it out later. You can always trade, right? Draft for value, trade for need. Um, so quarterback would be Herbert running back. I don't care. Wide receiver. I'm going to say Ayuk. I don't think anybody sees him as a top three guy, but I, I love him. I have him pretty much everywhere along with Pittman as well. He's a, he's another guy. Um, the two of my most rostered receivers and then tight end. I mean, you know, I've been hammering uh, all the tight ends for the last few years, and I'll I'll go um, I'll give you five names. That would be Cole Komet, uh, Jake Ferguson, Greg Dulcich, uh, Kate Otten, and Daniel Bellinger. Those are five of my eight most rostered tight ends, along with um, Andrews and Hawkinson, um, and McBride and Laporta, um, and Evan Ingram. So. You know, obviously those other guys, the last few guys I mentioned are top guys. So outside of that would be Komet, Ferguson, Dulcich, Ott, and Bellinger. I have just an absolute ton of shares of those guys, mostly because they cost virtually nothing. And so yeah. if they don't end up doing anything, I just cut them and we'll pick up the next guy. But the, those are, that's the next group for me. I, I like that. Now now I want a flag plant. I want a flag plant rookies. Can we do, do this? Do is, this have, is your segment because I got nothing on rookies right now. I've got a lot of names, but I, I can't do a flag at this. It's January. I, I was going to, I was going to ask you. So, so I currently, I've watched 17 wide receivers. I've watched 11 running backs. Okay. Uh, I still have six or seven running backs left to go. I probably will end up watching a few more wide receivers when Peter Howard tells me after he casts his net, because he can trawl. I'm line fishing because I'm, right. I'm having to watch film. Right. And somebody the other day, uh, oh, it was Tommy. It was Tommy B. He asked me the other day, like, how much time do I spend on on rookie film? Uh, and I'm like, don't, well, don't add it up. I was like, well, so, like, I started at Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. I'm here. I said I probably got 50 to 60 hours so far, okay. but I haven't done tight end. I haven't done quarterback. And, and you start like, at the beginning, so you can start back then yeah. because you're you're watching freshman oh, yeah. sophomore. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so I've I've yeah. watched a lot of I mean okay. this class I've watched a lot of 2018, but like okay. 2018, 2019, 20 like and I work my way forward, and so I'll watch between eight and twelve, eight and fourteen games of a player, but but progress over their career because I want to see that progression. I want to see them uh make adjustments and and if they can figure out what their flaws are and at least mitigate them if not make them uh you know a, a successful part of their game that makes but sense. 
if I'm looking at this class right now, I mean, obviously I'm not going to flag plan on Harrison and I'm not going to flag plan on neighbors because they're like clearly the top guys. I haven't watched quarterback yet. So you're going to have to like kind of shine it on a, a little bit. They'll probably be, that'll probably be sometime at the end of March where we get to quarterbacks uh, in terms of like ready to talk about them right now. I've got Xavier worthy as my wide receiver three. Okay. I have Devontae Walker as my wide receiver six. So Tez Walker. Okay. And and Lad McConkey at seven. So those three guys are the are the I think I'll probably be higher on, although maybe not because McConkey just did a bunch of yeah. stuff at the senior bowl he's today. Gonna, and so everyone's gonna, real excited yeah. about him. Yeah. But like those were the the players that I think I'm higher on in the wide receiver position than most of what I've seen. And then I have Blake Corum as my running back one. I don't yes, care. Yes. I don't care. Like I, I think he is. And, and it was funny. It, it triggered in my mind. You talked about getting off of the wide receivers, not having that anchor bias with your wide receivers, because if they miss, they miss. And I agree with you. And I took that one step further with my process is I've been staying with my anchor bias on running back because I've been really successful with running backs that didn't necessarily hit in year one. Okay. But they were players that I liked and continued, uh, you know, if I continue to roster them, they, uh, they succeeded. So again, it's, it's (laughs) Kyron Williams was my running back three in, uh, in the, the, um, what was the 22 class? Brian Robinson was my running back five in that. Like they're they're just like the running backs that I kind of will hang on. And and I like like Zamir White was a was a Zemir, top seven. Kendra, and, okay. and again, like it's not it's not that they are world beaters, but it's it's me looking at talent, which I think matters because running backs get opportunity, and I talk about this a lot. Running back opportunity is an elevator. You go from from floor zero to the top floor when that player gets hurt in front of you. Whereas wide receiver is an escalator, and there are still however many people in front of you, even though you're moving up, the targets get dispersed to the better talent. And so it's really hard to work your way into fantasy relevancy as a wide receiver, as opposed to a running back. And so like, it's, it's that idea that you came up with not holding on to anchor bias with wide receivers, but do it a little bit with running backs just because of the nature of the position. Talent, keep the talent and the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. And that is the end of our show sheet. So that is the end of our show. Scott, want to thank you for filling in for us this week and possibly future weeks. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, also, definitely want to thank Zach for coming on tonight. If you just want to remind everyone your Twitter handle and what's coming up. Uh, I am at Tacit Assassin 13. Uh, do the Dynasty Dummies uh, occasionally, you know, sporadically, like every nine months or so. Uh, <laughs> we, we got the, the rookie hoot nanny with uh, J Mike at J Mike Check and Matt Foreman at Fat Mormon. That should be sometime in. February. So that's that's where we are. Looking forward to it, Zach. Um, But uh, as for our 
business here. I'm at Dynasty FF Addict. He's at Scott underscore Sidlow. Of course, you can find Russ at Dynasty Outhouse. Uh, make sure you're following the DAP network. Um, and uh, if you want to see our lovely faces as we record here and ask questions in the chat, you can sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash trade addicts pod. Uh, I always say, cause I never know exactly how to promote it, but definitely make sure you're uh, helping out with fantasy cares. Cause I know Russ is a big part of that. And we always like to push that here on the pod too. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything. So I am going to say good night, guys. Thank, Thank you for listening to the Great Attic Podcast. A proud member in the Dynasty Attic Podcast Network. Please follow your hosts at Dynasty Haha and at Dynasty FF Attic. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We will catch you next time on the Trade Attic Podcast. Poopy pants. That is the best. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.